0: feel directed to continue through the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. There is no one like our God. He alone rules and reigns all by himself. And he's made possible that you and I can be his sons and daughters. And we can rule and reign with him one day forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And for a little while this day, I want to preach as it is in heaven, where his lordship is unrivaled and our worship is unrestrained. Lord, thank you. Thank you this day, God, for your holy word and your Holy Spirit. And we invite you in the next little while, God, that you would minister in us and through us and among us. And that, God, when this is done, that we would all leave a line in our lives to as it is And we pray that with an expectation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And would you say amen? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. His fame had spread throughout all the regions around Galilee. And now multitudes of people surrounded him everywhere he went. Some needed a miracle and others just wanted to see one. And so Jesus escapes up into the hill country and there his disciples meet up with him. And we do not know what Jesus intended for that time, but it became a special time of revelatory teaching that we call the Sermon on the Mount. There Jesus laid out the values of God's kingdom that he had come to establish. and There he defines some of the core principles, habits, and attitudes that characterize a life that pleases God. And it is in the middle of this kingdom-defining sermon, or what may have been a series of sermons, that Jesus provided them with a model of prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. This prayer obviously was not intended to be an exhaustive pattern, but was given as the fundamental framework of how we pray to God. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done in earth as it is In heaven these first three acknowledgments serve as the overarching theme of our walk with God where daily we align ourselves to his will and to his way as evidenced by our exclusive loyalty and worship and obedience to God but that's only the first part of the prayer Jesus didn't stop there. He kept going. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You see, when you and I are properly aligned to as it is in heaven, then we are positioned as a beneficiary of supernatural provision where we can petition, give us this day our daily bread. And we are positioned to receive supernatural peace where we are at peace with God and we have peace with one another. And when we're aligned with as it is in heaven, we are the beneficiary of supernatural protection from the trials that would overwhelm us, from the temptations that would undermine our faith, and ultimately through it all from that evil one and his deceptive and evil devices. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth as It is in heaven. These truths and the principles that are outlined here in the Lord's Prayer are expounded upon and they are exampled throughout the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching of the apostles. This includes John's revelation of Jesus Christ and his masterful presentation of what as It is in heaven, really, really means. You see, John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And on that day, as he was in the Spirit, he experienced a series of visions that he was commanded to write and to share. Most likely, he was living in the twilight of the first century, and in the twilight of his own life. But the beloved John writes to an audience, a target audience that was wide ranging. He writes to believers who face social and physical persecution and even identifies at least one martyr. But he also writes to believers who had begun to assimilate with the pervasive pagan worship of the Greco-Roman culture And they had begun to assimilate into their surrounding culture all the while claiming to maintain a private loyalty to Jesus Christ. He wrote yet to even other believers whose affluence and whose self-sufficiency had blinded them to the reality that in truth they were spiritually Pax and to this wide-ranging audience of early Christians, John rips back the veil of time and space, and he provides them with a heavenly point of view of the past and the present and the future redemptive plan of God. In Revelation chapter 4 and 5, John laid out what I believe is the heart of the book and you may could say the heart of the Scripture itself. Here the sovereignty of Jesus Christ is clearly revealed. His infinite, self-existent, otherly nature is described in ever-expanding titles and worship. Here His divine purpose is clearly demonstrated. Here His lordship is unrivaled. And the worship of all of creation is unrestrained. It was a door. It was a door that opened up to heaven. John hears a trumpet-like voice that calls him to come up. And immediately John is in the spirit. And he's ushered into the majestic throne room of heaven. His eyes are instantly drawn to a throne and then his eyes are fixed upon the one who sits on the throne, the indescribable splendor and majesty of that one. The appearance of this one who sat on the throne was like the radiance of brilliant gemstones, whose light exploded in every direction. It was the glow of an emerald that circled the throne like a rainbow. And around the throne were 24 other thrones, upon which sat 24 elders. And they were clothed in white robes, signifying their spiritual and moral purity and their victory over the evil one. And they wore on their heads golden crowns. From that throne that John's eyes were fixed upon erupted flashes of lightning across the atmosphere along with the rumbling rise and the booming crash of thunder. There were seven torches of flaming fire that aligned the front of the throne symbolizing the fullness of the presence of God. From the throne proceeded a sea. It was a sea of glass, sparkling like crystal, and it went out before the throne. This, this is the jaw dropping, mind boggling, breathtaking scene that John is ushered into the heavenly throne room of God. John's eyes now are fixed and picks up four living creatures who have six wings and are surrounded by eyes. Their hybrid nature with traits of heaven and traits of earth are representative of a world that is now in perfect harmony with its creator. And these four creatures revolve around the throne of God and they revolve in worship. And they say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was who is and who is to come. A threefold superlative of worship that God, you are holy. There's none like you. God, you are holy. You are other from us. God, you are holy. You are far beyond what we can even know. You are the Lord. You are the God. And you are almighty. And you were and you are and you will forever be God worship of the four living creatures but John's attention is now returned back to the 24 elders and the 24 elders follow the lead of the four worshiping creatures and they fall prostrate Before his throne, and they cast their crowns at his feet, and they say, Lord, you are worthy, oh Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. You, God, are worthy to receive glory and honor and power you alone created all things you alone are worthy to receive all the glory and all the honor and all the power now John sees beyond the four living creatures and the 24 elders his eyes see a scroll sealed with seven seals in the figurative right hand of God a scroll that creates a sense of expectancy, a divine decree, a script of God's plan of salvation and restoration, a divine order over a rebellious world. But that scroll also raises a question that permeates and hovers over the scene just how will God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And to this end an angel's voice pierces that throne room when says, "Who is worthy to open and execute God's plan." A quick search of the entire cosmos ensues and it quickly proves that no one in creation is worthy to fulfill the plan of God on earth. John is overwhelmed with bitter tears at that conclusion wondering how long oh God before your will in heaven will be done on earth. How long Lord must we wait. But then his tears are interrupted and he hears an elder say, do not weep. Behold the line of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals the elders declaration of the line unleashes every old testament messianic promise and expectation of john and his audience an expectation of a coming king that yahweh would come himself and that yahweh would establish a kingdom forever and ever but what John looks and beholds and what John sees is not a, land, a, a line. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having the seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out unto all the earth. In other words, the fullness of God dwelt in the Lamb. This must have been startling to John. This certainly was startling to his audience. And this is counterintuitive even to you and I today. For when we think of a lion, we think of courage and strength and power. When we think of the lion, we think of the king of the jungle jungle, who conquers all. But when we think of a lamb, we think of some cuddly beast who's easy prey and just kind of lays down and is rolled over and has to kind of be herded along. That's how we think. We think about lions who conquer by inflicting death. And we think of lamb as those who are conquered because they succumb to death. But that's not what John saw. Here John sees a lamb, but it is a lamb who has conquered through death. It is a lamb who has defied every expectation. It is a lamb who is a warrior and who is overcome, but he is overcome through his death. Yeah, you know. You understand what John heard recalled every promise of Yahweh coming. What he heard was the line of the tribe of Judah and the root of David. But what he saw reflected the triumphant crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now understand. Let's just stop here a moment. Understand that what John sees does not confuse nor conceal who God is, but what he sees reveals who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the Lord God Almighty who came himself to redeem people just like you and I. In fact, it is God who came himself to redeem all of creation. That's what John sees. That's who is revealed, the Lord God Almighty, the mighty God in Christ. And may I pause here a little bit longer to remind you that our God is the perfect Lamb of God. That our Lord and Savior counterintuitively conquered death, hell, and the grave through His obedience unto death. You see, Satan and his minions, they never had a chance. It was all foreordained. They were prepared. They were ready. They were braced for a roaring line. But then they were destroyed by a solid lamb who conquered them to his death on the cross this is the will of God this is the plan of God that I will come and when everybody expects me to roar I will silently lay down my life but when I lay down my life I will rise again and when I rise again I will forever reign in power and authority oh let's lift up our hands why don't you magnify him in this place why don't you give glory to the Lamb of God? Worthy is the Lamb of God. Oh, worthy by your blood, we are saved and redeemed, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Our God is the line and he's the lamb. It's more than a cute song. It is God's plan of conquering death, hell, and the grave. It's more than a cute lyric. It is the essentiality of who God is. He is the lion, and he has conquered, but he's the lamb, and he has redeemed all of creation back to him. After that cosmic revelation of the conquering lamb, those four living creatures and the 24 elders, they're like some of you and I just right here at this time. They can't contain themselves. And they explode in a new song of redemption. And now they say, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Worthy is the land. Worthy is the Lamb because you have redeemed us to God and now we're kings and priests to our God. John's gaze now stretches out a little further beyond the four living creatures, beyond the 24 elders to a third ring of worshipers, an incalculable host of angels, who join in and proclaim a sevenfold praise of perfection. For they utter worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb. But it's still not complete. Heaven's throne room expands even further. John's gaze stretches out more, and he sees this fourth ring of worshipers around the four living creatures and around the 24 elders, and around the innumerable host of angels. Now there is an incalculable multitude that represents all of creation. And this multitude now joins in to this song and they say blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever. And ever, and ever, and in heaven, everything is now in perfect order for everything is aligned around the throne. And therefore, those four living creatures who got it all started, now they pronounce an emphatic, Amen. It is done. It is finished. It is final. Worthy is the Lord God Almighty who is the lion and the lamb. For by his word all things were created and by his blood all things are redeemed. This is what it means to align oneself to as it is In heaven, where his lordship is unrivaled and our worship is unrestrained, as it is in heaven. Whether John's audience felt strength and encouragement as they endured hardship and suffering, or whether they felt the uncomfortable conviction in light of the cross over their compromise and assimilation with the surrounding culture. Or further yet, if they were disturbed by the stark reality that they had been blinded in their own selves when in fact they were spiritually backslidden. Regardless of how his audience may have responded, John stepped to the podium of their lives and he challenged them all to align their selves to as it is in heaven. In doing so, John, simply followed in the footsteps of Jesus Christ and the Bible as a whole, in calling Christians everywhere and all time to live out this prayer, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. Fast forward to 2017 where we sit in this place today. And you and I still live in this in-between time between the cross and the marriage supper of the Lamb. We live in this in-between time where Satan has been mortally defeated and yet lives for a defined time and space to wage all-out war on the saints of God. And therefore, in this journey, this in-between space, you and I must be challenged and convicted by God's Word and God's Spirit that we, you and I, in 2017 would align ourselves to God's holy purpose and that we would live our life as it is in heaven. That our lives would be marked by being His will and His word are preeminent in our lives where we present ourselves as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable in service to God, where we act on holy principles and convictions to abstain from the ungodliness of our surrounding culture. Yet warning that God gives us through his word and through his spirit that exposes the old diabolical lie that Satan still uses that you can publicly assimilate with this world and somehow privately remain loyal to Jesus Christ. But let me be clear, it is a lie. It is a lie from the pit of hell. It is a lie from drag. The dragon himself. You cannot be assimilated into this world and tell yourself you are privately loyal to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that is a lie. That in this day and age, you and I, by His Word and Spirit, would strive, would be compelled to live as it is in heaven, that we would be moved to lay aside every weight or sin that would entrap us or that would distract us from pursuing after Jesus Christ alone, that we would be moved to worship God from the depths of our heart in a way that is unreserved and unashamed. With all of our heart, our mind, our soul and strength hey, hey whether they're singing an old hymn or they're singing a, a pounding anthem or they're singing a shout shout beat of a choir song it really doesn't matter because when I stand before him and when I think about who he is I am compelled to worship I am compelled to worship without restraint I am compelled to worship and not be ashamed hey can I tell you something it doesn't matter what your temperament is Worthy is the Lamb. It doesn't matter how your day's going. Worthy is the Lamb. It doesn't matter whether you've got it all figured out. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God. This this is what it means to live on earth as it is in heaven, where His Lordship is unrivaled and our worship is unrestrained. Remember the Lord's Prayer. Remember the Lord's Prayer that we read earlier, how it had two parts, that when you are aligned to as it is in heaven, that you become the beneficiary of supernatural provision, supernatural peace, supernatural power and protection. Well, that's not just true in the present, but it's also true in the life to come. For in the final beatitude of Scripture, John wrote, Blessed are those who do his commandments mm. Blessed are those who do His commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. And may I remind you that in New Jerusalem there'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no tears. There'll be no darkness. There'll be no need of a temple. For there every barrier between God and humanity is gone. And we will stand before our God and we will see Him for who He is as we look unto the face of Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain. We will see Him face if we are aligned on earth as it is in heaven. If you're able, please stand. Worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. in this in-between place called life where you and I are at right now this time where heaven is near but not yet this time when we yearn for that right to eat of the tree of life and our hearts long to enter in and see our Lord sitting upon his throne In this present, blessed are those who do His commandments. Blessed are those who in the present reality of time and space align themselves to as it is in heaven. I want to go there. I want to see him. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My heart yearns, my soul longs to see him, to know him. But blessed are those who do His commandments. When I think of His throne, and when I think of who He is, I wonder if you'd just ponder that for a moment. I wonder if you could close your eyes all across this place. I wonder if you could ponder that heavenly throne room. If you could do that, come on, come on. He's crying out to the Lord. Come on, just keep. I want you to think about the Lord. Come on, he's just crying out to the Lord in his own right. Why don't you join him? Why don't you join him and ponder the Lord? Why don't you join him and ponder what it's going to be like when you see him face to face? You see, every one of us have a throne. We sit on a throne of self-rule. We sit on a throne of free will. We wear crowns of our own authority on this earth. But you know what? When I stand before His throne, my, my, my throne gets really small and when I stand before him my crown of self-will doesn't seem very significant and so I'm compelled by God to join those elders and figurative, figuratively And maybe even literally, I have to bow down before him. I have to bow this knee of self-rule. I have to bow this knee that says I will live for him on my own terms. I have to bow this knee that says he will conform to my image. But when I get a view of as it is in heaven, when I get a view of the one that sits on the throne, then I must bow down my knees and I must go prostrate before his holy throne and I must cast my crown at his feet and I'm compelled to join that new song that worthy, worthy I cast my crown at your feet oh God I lay down prostrate before you oh God I surrender to your lordship in my life oh God I confess the arrogancy of my own self-sufficiency oh God I confess my dependency upon you, O God. I cry out to you as the Lamb of God. I am unworthy, but worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb of God. I wonder if all over this place you could make this an altar. I wonder if you can make this whole sanctuary an altar before the Lamb. I'm calling us all to a throne. I'm calling us all to arise from our own thrones and to bow before His throne. I'm calling every child and every adult to bow your knee before the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm calling on you to break your will and to lay it at His feet. I'm calling on you to confess your self-righteousness. It is but filthy rags in his presence. And let him clothe you with the righteousness of his precious blood. I'm calling on you, everyone in this house. Would you bow before the throne of the Almighty? Would you cry out to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy. Is the Lamb worthy? Is the Lamb who was, who is, and who is to come? Holy, holy, holy. Oh, would you lift up your voice uh, and would you bow your knee in this place? Worthy, worthy, worthy. I cast down the crown of my self-rule. I leave the throne of my own path, oh God. I align myself today to as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven, I cry. I cry out to you today, God. all across this house would you do that Oh, would you lift your up your eyes upon him would you behold your savior that draws near to you if you're waiting on an altar call this is it if you're waiting on an invitation it's already been given would you just cry out to the Lord from front to back and side to side Come on, all across this place. I'm calling on you to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you. Don't leave this place in your own rule. Don't leave this place in your own power. Don't leave this place in your own self-sufficiency. I plead with you today, sir. I plead with you today, ma'am. I beseech you that you would behold the Lord Jesus Christ that you would behold the throne of God and that you would seek after Him with all of your heart. All across this place, our cries are lifted up to Him. We're not in a hurry, we're before the King. We're not in a hurry, we're in the presence of the Lamb of God. We're standing and bowing before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. yeah 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 there 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 worthy is the one who sits on the throne he alone sits on the throne not me he sits on the throne worthy is the one now I wonder all across this place I wonder if you're able if you could stand And if you're able, I wonder if you would lift up your hands. I wonder if you would close your eyes. And I wish you would join in with a triumphant roar. I wish you would lift up your voice now and give praise. For by His hand, all things were created, but by His blood, all things are redeemed. He's worthy. Oh, would you lift up your hands? Come on, brother and sister. Come on, brother and sister. Would you lift up your hands? Would you lift up your face? Would you lift up your eyes? And would you behold our King? Would you behold the Lamb of God? Would you lift up your voice? And would you join in? Would you join in?